0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine, podcast radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the path or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently.
1: Knowledge is power,
0: now more than ever.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Tech Done Different. I am your host, Ted Harrington, and with me here today is our special guest, Carla Donev. She's the CISO and VP of Infrastructure at Nysource. Carla... Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, me too. I've been really looking forward to this conversation, especially you know going back to as we were we were talking about different areas we might get into. I've been super impressed by sort of your story and your journey, and I thought this would be such a cool area for us to explore for our audience. So. It's funny how before we hit record here, I was like, can I ask you about these things? And you're like, that's literally my life. So let's I want to ask about your life now. So let's start with this idea that, um, you know, that we're chatting about, you know, what's it like being a female getting into the security field?
2: It's definitely been an interesting journey for me. My Old boss used to say, I'm like the purple unicorn that's out there. There's not many. And if you do find it, you got to take it, you got to take it fast because women in cyber, it's getting better, but it's not what it used to be. When I started, I didn't know many women in cyber. And so I didn't have many mentors or role models to talk to. It was always men who were in the role. And so it's been an interesting journey. I told someone the other day that I feel like I've been on every panel possible talking about women in cyber. And I actually said I shouldn't have to anymore. I mean, it's just sad that I still have to talk about it because there's there's not that many, but we are getting more and more every day. So it's, it's been a challenge. Um, I'm very excited about it. I love my role. I encourage so many women to get into cyber. I think it's a really cool space to be. And I do think we bring a different perspective to it. But I would say it's the biggest challenge I've had is I was at RSA a couple of years ago and walked into a vendor meeting, sat down in a room full of men. And they said, are we waiting for your boss? And I said, no, I am the boss. And they just looked at me and uh, I think it was a very interesting conversation at the end. One of them told me that they weren't expecting me to be so direct and knowing what I wanted. So (laughs) fortunately didn't buy anything from that vendor and I won't share with you who they were, but they're on my blacklist of, yeah, never doing business with them again.
1: Yeah. The, the blatant sexism in the way they're talking about (laughs) that is that's almost shocking. maybe it's not shocking
2: yeah it was interesting it was interesting that fortunately was the first and only time i've heard that
1: okay good good i was gonna ask if that was a pattern that had repeated itself so glad that at least it wasn't yeah so this this idea that we we want to get more women into security you were attracted to the field for some reason why was that like how did you find this as a field and what can we learn from that in order to have better outreach maybe outreach isn't the problem. I don't know what the problem is. Hopefully we'll find that in the next course of this discussion. But like, how did you find it? And what should we learn from that so that others can also find it?
2: Well, I think the interesting thing is not a lot of women go to college saying, oh, I want to major in computer science. They usually want to do business and marketing and doctors and nurses and lawyers, all those really fun jobs. And I was one of those. I went to college to be an accountant. And so, yes, I have my degree in accounting. I'm not a computer science major. I have no technology education at all. I did accounting for about a year and I thought, oh, I am going to just jump off a roof if I have to continue this profession for the rest of my life. So I went into consulting, which was an even more interesting role. And But my consulting was with technology. Uh, I learned a lot about business process reengineering, Six Sigma, and it was all based on technology in the Air Force, which was really, really cool. I got to visit all the Air Force bases in the United States and ride in flight simulators, do some really fun things. But I was like, wow, this is really cool. I I love what I'm learning about. And um, at that point in time, I was on the road warrior for about two and a half years every week. And in my 20s, that was really, really great. But I was like, I need to slow down and try to settle down somewhere. So I went into IT audit and uh, got into that space for a while and really loved it. excelled at it. I actually was at a company and I was at a director of internal audits for IT. And one of my really good friends, and who was now a mentor to me, was the CISO at that time, came to me and said, I have a director of IT security role. You'd be great for it. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not a technology person. I never want to be part of the IT organization. I heard it's just an absolute train wreck, and it's not going to be something I'm going to do. And he said, why don't you take some time and think about it? And I said, sure, whatever. So I left and I ended up talking to some friends about it and they said, why, why not try it? You know, it's something that you can probably pick up. If you've learned this much about IT, you can probably learn even more and get up to speed on it. So I went back and said, yeah, sounds interesting. Let me hear more. And so I ended up getting that role. And the first thing my team said to me then was, do you have any IT experience And I said, I know what a server is. I know what a database is. I know how to audit them. It can't be that hard. So they didn't really believe me. So I challenged myself and said, in the first six months in this role, I'm going to get my CISSP. And they said, absolutely not. You'll never do it. And I forced myself into that, actually got it, which shocked me because that was the worst test I think I've ever experienced in my life. And you know, I think after that, they had a little more respect for me. And since then, I mean, I've been in IT security. Uh, I've done it in a couple different industries now. And now I sit at a utility that is, you know, critical infrastructure for the United States and probably one of the most interesting roles I've ever been in. And I, I think that's kind of where. I sit and that's what I tell people all the time, especially women is don't think you're stuck where you are. You can do something different. If you wanna try it, try it. I hire people into roles all the time that don't have technology backgrounds because they have a desire. They, I think they have the capabilities to learn. I used to tell people all the time, I can teach you how to audit a server. I can teach you how to configure different things. I can't teach you to be a good team member. And as long as you got that basic human skill set, you know, you can do it. And it's not a big deal. And I, that's why I continue to tell people. I was at Notre Dame a couple of years ago at a women in business event, speaking on a panel. And at the end, they asked me, what advice do you have for all the girls in the room? And I said, when you graduate here, don't think you're stuck being a business person for the rest of your life. You have so many opportunities, find your passion, find what you want to do and go for it. And I had a lot of girls come up to me afterwards and asked me about that. But I also had the advisor to the group tell me that that was the absolute worst thing I could ever say. And so I don't think I'm ever getting invited back there, but it's, it's how I feel. You can do anything you want. You don't have to be stuck and feeling like you're stuck for the rest of your life. You got to find your passion and go for it. Oh
1: that's that's such great advice. Uh, the theme I'm hearing you describe certainly it sounds like the idea of saying yes to opportunities and then sort of figure it out as you go and and it works, right?
2: A- absolutely. I recently was given the great gift of IT infrastructure here uh, on top of my cyber role.
1: The great gift.
2: Yes, yes. I'm not sure who I upset with that, but you know, it's now part of my role. And it's one of those things initially I'm like, there's no way. I do not want infrastructure. Uh, you know, that is networks down, end users are down, you know. I- it's not a problem I want, you know? So I said, no, thank you. And then I'm like, well, why not? It's an area I haven't played much in. I don't, you know, I could learn a lot from it. So here I am, you know, on calls at two in the morning, you know, calls aren't routing, you know, networks down and it's annoying, but it's kind of fun trying to figure out how to fix it.
1: Sure. It sounds like to, maybe I'm interpreting. So tell me if this is yes or no to this, but maybe by taking on this additional responsibility, you now have this new contrast with your former responsibility and how do you do each of those better as a result? Is that is that a fair takeaway?
2: It's an interesting balance because I will always have my cyber mind on and when I'm thinking about things, it's kind of like, yeah, I know you want to do that to get the system up and running, but. You can't just open it up. You, you got to do something a, a little more secure. And so I try to balance that. You know, I had someone tell me the other day, you seem to favor your cyber team. I'm like, well, they're my guys. You know, I've, I've had, I've been in this role for four and a half years and they're my team. I built them from the ground up. And so, yeah, I do have, I do have a liking to them. So, and I think that, you know, when you think about it, cyber is what has to come first. If you can't keep it secure, it doesn't matter how long it stays up.
1: It's fascinating hearing you talk us through your sort of career progression. And even this one detail we're talking about right now, it's like we're witnessing you in real time go through yet another transformation because of saying yes to opportunities, even if you're hesitant about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I am. It is a transformation and I'm I'm learning a lot and I think it will help me. Even if I do at some point in time, go back to just being a CISO over an organization, I'll have a very different perspective of what infrastructure is really about. And I understand that sometimes the things that we ask of the infrastructure team isn't really possible. And sometimes it's going to break things. And so I, I'm very happy that I'm learning about it and trying to figure out that balance because I think it'll help me in the long term.
1: It's funny that you just phrase it as just a CISO. <laughs> when I go back to just this one over de- overly demanding, incredibly <laughs> taxing job.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, you are taking on a lot. So you've got these these two parts to your role. Mm-hmm that maybe at times are in conflict with each other. Yeah. How do you rectify that? And I I think the advice that I'm trying to get at with this question is I think in a lot of organizations, this conflict exists between security and functionality. Sometimes it's within the same person or the same group. Sometimes it's not, and they have to, you know, everyone has to balance this. So you are yourself balancing the two. How do you prioritize which gets, you know, ranked first in a given scenario when they're in conflict?
2: Yeah, it's I've had to deal with that a couple of times in the past week or two, because is it, hey, we want the system up and functioning, or are we going to hold it back and try to make it more secure? And so you have to balance that. And what I've really been trying to focus on the last couple of days in a situation I'm dealing with now is the business need. You know, do I have to do the infrastructure stuff first to ensure that our customers are receiving the service they need. We supply natural gas and electricity to our customers. They can't go without that. So if the system has to go up with a piece of security missing for a short period of time or just not at the level we want, It has to go. We cannot disrupt our service to our customers. But yet, if it's going to create a very large gap that we don't have any mitigating controls for, then we've got to address that. And so, you know, that's kind of the way that I think about it. Situation we're dealing with this week, it's, well, no, there's, you know, the risk from a cyber perspective is low. So we can move this forward. And make sure that our customers are getting the service they need, and then you know, let's figure out on the back end how to get it up to the level that we need it to be. So, it, that's what I put first: is what's what's the business impact? Are our customers going to be impacted by this? Because that's just that that can't happen. When our customers are impacted, they are not happy with us. The commissions in the states we run with are not happy with us, and so we've got to do what we can to make sure that they're well served.
1: I hear that the, the hot water does not work right now where I am. And I can tell you the crisis it feels like having to take cold showers, like shockingly cold showers. So obviously that's a little different from electricity, but same idea, right? Delivery of a critical infrastructure is like, it's unacceptable to not work. And what, I, what I'm hearing you describe is really risk, right? You're managing risk. You're saying we're willing to accept that risk because we have to deal with this balanced trade-off. So people often try to understand how to quantify that risk. I think you did a really, really great job of articulating how you prioritize. Is, is this push to quantify risk an important one, or is it a little more like from the gut or looking at the circumstances where we determine where to accept risk?
2: I'm not a data person. Data's great. And I love the people that put together all the numbers, but it's, it is truthfully in my view, gut and common sense. It's one of those things for me of okay just tell me what the business impact is is it going to be something that is going to bring us problems to our customers or bring us long term problems as an organization and that's what really drives me is what's the common sense thing to do you know we get the people who literally have to have you know powerpoint after powerpoint to make a decision i'm i'm more about what does my gut and common sense tell me to do
1: Well, I think we just discovered the name of this episode, Gut and Common Sense. I mean, that's, I love that.
2: Yeah, I I would tell you that our data analytics team is probably, if they're listening to this, they will probably um, be sending me hate mail saying, then why are we putting together all these reports?
1: Right. Well, that's going to be fun for you to uh, receive all that hate mail. (laughs) Glad we could give you the platform for that. Yeah. Well, it sometimes is said that common sense is not so common. How do we, I I actually, I love the way you're describing this, that we should make decisions from gut, instinct, common sense, whatever. How do we know that common sense is in fact common sense, that it's right?
2: (sighs) I don't think you ever know. I think sometimes, I think sometimes it's a chance and you got a 50, 50 chance that you're going to get it right or you're going to get it wrong. And, you know, you hope for the right, if you don't, you're going to fail and you got to figure out, okay, so how do I fix it from here? And, you know, so common sense to me is different than common sense to you. So everyone views it differently. And so I just do what I feel is right. And knock on wood, most of the time I am Right. There's been times I haven't been right. And, you know, we've had to go back and fix it. And I'm okay with that. As long as I feel like I'm doing the right thing for the company and our customers, I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, what you're saying is going to be true of no matter how the decision is arrived at. Some are going to be right. Some are going to be wrong. Go back, fix the ones that were wrong. You learn from those. So you found a decision-making I guess we could say framework. That's uh, like corporate America speak. Oh, the framework. Uh, you have a decision-making framework uh, that works for you.
2: Yeah, it, it does. It, it's not scientific. There's no, I, I can't put it on PowerPoint on how I made the decision, but it's what feels right. And, and I think a lot of times people get too into fr- frameworks and two into methodologies of making decisions that, you know, they don't, just don't think about what should I do? And it's all of this data and everything else coming behind it. And I think sometimes that takes too long. And sometimes, you know, it's at the end, I, I've gone down those paths of the frameworks at the end. It's like, I still don't understand what I'm supposed to do. So for me, it's truly throw it out the window and just whatever feels right. You got to do it.
1: And that certainly seems to be the the common thread through everything you've been talking about today. I mean, you didn't, when you were talking about those phases in your career and all the transitions you went through, you weren't describing this as, you know, making the decision on gut and common sense. But really, as I think about it, that's really what you're describing. You had a situation, you said, this feels right, I'm going to pursue it. And then and then it turned out to be true that it was right.
2: Yep. Yep. I have a lot of people in my life who are very process oriented, need to go through that whole process. And I'm like, just tell me what you want me to do. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. Well, I think that ties into such a perfect bow this this whole conversation about you know how do we get more people into the field? How should we think about our careers? How do we make decisions? I mean this this gut and common sense. What what a cool, simple maybe maybe not simple to execute, but simple in terms of conceptualizing. What a, what a great idea. I love it.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, most people probably don't think it's they're like, well, how would you get that decision? I'm like, I just thought about it.
1: Right, right. Yeah. People feel like we have to, I mean, numbers obviously have a critically important role. Maybe I'll have to find uh, the next guest to have the counter argument and then we can compare them side by side.
2: Yeah, let's do that. That'd be super fun. (laughs) I'd be like, just don't show me another PowerPoint slide with data. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, Carla, thank you so much for being on the show. As we wrap up, is there anything you want to leave our audience with?
2: Just thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And just to reiterate, you know, take take a challenge do something different find your passion if, if you're not doing something that you are really excited about then you're not doing the right thing that's why i tell people all the time you know you gotta enjoy what you're doing if you're a cyber person and you know when that incident comes up and you're not all into it and ready to go and it's kind of like that adrenaline's going you're not in the right role if you're gonna hide in the corner you know you gotta find something else to do so find your passion and just go for it
1: i love it Carlo, you're awesome. I learned so much from you today. Thank you for being on the show.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: this is fun. For everyone, if you want to learn more about what Carlo's up to or about the show itself, just head to tedharrington.com/podcast, and we'll catch you next time.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new, and this conversation made you think